Hello, everyone. This is John Montoya. And this is John Parings. We are Infinite Banking Authorized Practitioners and hosts of the fifth edition. Episode 66, PUA Writer Basics. In this episode, we're going to talk about Paid Up Edition Writer Basics, the design principles behind it, and also priorities when it comes to making a decision on how to uh, pay or when to pay your PUA. So John, let's kick this off. Yeah, let's kick this off. And uh, as I mentioned last time, I recently attended the annual Infinite Banking Think Tank, the annual conference that the Nelson Nash uh, Institute puts on. The Nelson Nash Institute, of course, being the organization that is the, you know, really the source material for um, all things infinite banking. So in that uh, conference, one of the themes we were talking about was kind of gaining some clarity on on what's really happening out there and and overcoming a lot of the noise that you see um, in the financial industry in general, and then more specifically and more recently with a lot of the people that talk about infinite banking. A lot of them are not authorized practitioners. They don't actually understand the mission that we're on. And one of the biggest problems that I see out there is the way that a lot of the folks on YouTube, TikTok, etc. talk about the PUA writer. And so we thought it would be a good time to dig into that a little bit and reiterate some of the basics of the PUA writer and really understand what's going on with the PUA writer. So first thing about the PUA writer, what is a PUA writer? It stands for paid up additional life insurance, PUA, paid up additional life insurance. And so um, the first thing to understand is a lot of people talk about PUA as if it's this kind of separate cash component of a whole life insurance policy, as if it's, you know, like its own compartment inside a whole life policy and that you can design to have more cash in a policy. And while you can design to have more cash, it's important to understand the PUA rider is not a separate component. Okay. PUA rider buys additional paid up life insurance, PUA paid up additions. So I'll just say it one more time. What does that mean? That means it buys more death benefit. Okay. And so it's really important to understand that little piece of it because we're not creating a separate cash component. We're buying more death benefit, but this death benefit happens to be paid up, meaning no more future premium payments are due on this little chunk that you're buying. And it's that piece of it that's actually creating the possibility to create more cash value in the early years of the policy. That's what is actually creating the cash value. Um, and so what we find is that the PUA rider is the most important from an IBC perspective. Um, when we're talking about capitalizing our system, the PUA rider does a lot for us in terms of creating some of that early capital um, where, you know, in the early years of a whole life insurance policy, you know, we're paying for a lot of the costs and the PUA rider helps overcome some of those costs from a cash value perspective and, and allows us to start capitalizing a little more quickly. Yeah. And one thing I'll add there is that when it comes to life insurance, there is only one type of life insurance that you can actually, where you can actually own the death benefit. And the PUA writer is really illustrative of this because when you contribute premium to this writer, you're essentially buying equity in your own death benefit. 
There, there is no other type of life insurance policy that exists, not a term, not any flavor of universal where you get to own equity in your death benefit. And so what you're doing with this writer is basically buying your death benefit and it creates instant equity that you can then use as collateral for policy loans, which is, you know, the, the, basically the, um, backbone of what we're doing with IBC and infinite banking, you know, we're, we're capitalizing. Well, if you understand that you can only own your death benefit with a whole life policy, well, you want to own as much of it as possible. And what's the most advantageous way to expedite, uh, the owning of your death benefit it's through the PUA writer and only with a whole life policy, do you get this incredible benefit to really uh, go out and buy up your own death benefit, actually lay claim to it. Every single time that you make a premium payment to that PUA writer, you are controlling not only the, the, the death benefit, but the, the cash equity, you know, the cash value in the policy that is a reflection of that future death benefit. So extremely unique and powerful. Um, and it's, it's essential to really, uh, becoming your own banker. And that's why, you know, we, we do want to prioritize, especially in the early years that you take advantage of this writer, because at the end of the day, you know, what are you trying to do? You're trying to put yourself and your family in a better situation. And, and through this writer, it happens, um, in the short term and the long term. It, it's really quite incredible when you can accomplish two things at one time. Yeah. And you, you made a great, uh, point, um, or a, a great distinction. You called it a PUA premium payment. PUA is premium. It's buying death benefit. And that's a really important and critical thing to understand that a lot of people are getting wrong out there and they're really miseducating a lot of people about what's happening with a life insurance policy and what's happening with the PUA rider. Um, <clears throat> so as we're talking about how PUA is used and, and, you know, we're talking about, you know, a couple like myths and misconceptions, so to speak of, you know, what other people are saying about it. So let's talk about some design principles, right? So if, how should we design a policy with the PUA rider? And again, a lot of, you know, I talked to some of the influencer people out there that, you know, are talking about whole life insurance and their whole, really all they're doing is cranking up to get maximum ca cash value. That's the only thing they really understand about infinite banking is to crank up the cash value to the maximum in the early years of the policy. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. If all things were equal, of course, we would want that cash value cranked up to the maximum that you can get in year one, right? I mean, it'd be what it'd be awesome if we could just get a hundred percent liquidity from, you know, if we pay 10,000 in premium, we have 10,000 in cash value on day one. Of course we'd want that. Guess what though? There's no such thing as a free lunch. We're buying life insurance. And if you, if you pull a lever over here to create an outcome of cranking up the cash value to the max in year one, another corresponding lever always goes up over there that will have some trade-offs. There's always trade-offs. There's no, there are no deals in the life insurance business uh, or the insurance business in general. Everything's a trade-off between cost and risk. 
And if you do something over here, you're going to have a corresponding trade-off over there. And um, the trade-offs for cranking up the early cash value are that you're either going to have to pay up the policy early, um, you're going to have to max out all the quote-unquote room in the policy where you have zero flexibility to expand your system, or you're going to have to introduce non-guaranteed policy elements that could create a situation where the policy will just blow up in the future. And it actually starts looking more like an IUL or UL type product where you've got some rising costs of insurance. Um, extra premiums might be due in the future. So all of those things might, you know, will happen if you take that road or that option to crank up the early cash value. So what if we're if we're practicing infinite banking, what are we trying to do? We're trying to capitalize and we're trying to build a bank, so to speak. Do we want to build a bank that can only accommodate what we're doing today? Or do we want to build a bank that can accommodate everything we want to do in the future and give us the ability to open up new branches of our bank, right? And that's, if we're looking at a kind of simple goal of what we're trying to accomplish with with IBC, from a design perspective, we want to design a policy like it's the last one you can ever get. Because guess what? It might be the last one you could ever get. And so what's happening when people design these policies and they crank up the cash value, we don't know what your insurability will be tomorrow after you pay the first premium on your first policy. So you may never get the chance to expand your system. Um, and so it's very short term thinking to crank up that cash value in the early years. And it's a total misunderstanding of how the PUA rider works and what the benefits of the PUA rider are. I'll add that if you don't really know how long you plan on working, meaning whether you're just entering the workforce in your twenties or you're in your thirties, forties, fifties, and you don't have a crystal ball. I mean, let's face it. Who does? How long are you planning to work? How do you, how do you decide, well, I only want to fund a policy for five years, seven years, 10 years. I mean, th th nothing in life is written in stone. And if you're in a position where you have to keep working, or maybe you really enjoy what you do and you want to keep working longer just because you enjoy it and, uh, well, you have money coming in. Well, where are you going to direct that money? And what we're trying to relay to you is that you need, you need a place for your money. And if you suffer from short-term thinking and you know, you, you have the lens completely on, well, I need to have the, the cash value cranked up in the, in the first year, you, you're completely missing the bigger picture because you're going to live a long time, right? You get approved for a whole life policy. Guess what? The actuaries and the underwriters, they all agree that you're going to make it out, you know, probably to your early eighties or longer, you're going to be around a long time. So all the money that you're bringing home after expenses, it's got to go someplace. And if you have a policy designed for you where you can only fund it for five, seven, 10 years, what happens after that point? Exactly. Or if you can only fund it, you know, if you've designed the policy to only accept your capabilities today, your capacity today for capital, what happens in five years when your capacity increases and you can no longer qualify 
for life insurance, right? Also, you know, so let's kind of jump in. And so if, if we're designing a policy question, I often ask, and I got this from Ed slot. He's a, he's a CPA guy out there and he does more IUL. So I don't really agree with that, but he makes a great point, uh, using this line. And he says, if you had a place to put money that earned, I don't know, 40 times what it's going to earn in a bit in a typical bank, um, you know, grew tax deferred, you could get to it tax free, has creditor protection, provides a, a legacy of wealth for your family, like all these, all these different benefits. Would you want to be able to only put money there for a little bit of time or for as long as possible? And so far, a hundred percent of the people that I asked that question to say as long as possible. So when we design a policy, we want to design it so that you can, you have the option to pay a premium for as long as possible. Right. And the PUA rider, as we've been discussing affects this. If you max out the PUA rider, it is going to significantly affect how long you can pay a premium on an individual policy. Right. Um, as John Montoya just mentioned, you know, it may create a situation where you can't pay any premium and, you know, after year five or year seven, you know, one of those, one of those two, um, is how it would typically pan out these days. Um, by the way, (laughs) you know, here we are at year, let's just say year five, your policy just became cash flow positive. You just overcame all the all the early costs of a whole life insurance policy, and now you can't pay any more premium. How in the world does that make sense, right? It's like you just started a business, you just broke even, and now you can't do any more business, right? Or you can't you can't um, you know you can't expand that business at all. You just you're stuck with that one business. Um, so that's a that's a big deal, and. Um, you know, I really spend a lot of time talking to people about understanding the, the very significant trade-offs that the PUA rider has. And so another trade-off on this side of things is, you know, if, if you can pay for a longer period of time, you may not be able to put any more PUA into the policy. And so there's a lot of argument out there, um, and they're all wrong because they disagree with me, of course. But if you have, if you're practicing infinite banking and you deploy capital from your whole life insurance via a policy loan, right? And then you go buy an asset that creates income and then has a a return on it. Where are you going to put that return if there's no room inside your policy to fund any windfalls or any, any returns on your capital, right? And that's a big deal. It's like, if you're, if you're going to practice IBC, practice IBC, don't like bastardize it and, you know, have this short term thing where you get one chunk of money that's doing something for you on a strategic fashion. And then all the rest of your money can no longer be used in a strategic fashion. It's like, do you want to be strategic or not? (laughs) That's kind of the, the, uh, that's kind of the question. Yeah. And if, if that resonates with any listeners out there that maybe have purchased a policy that was funded for, or designed to be funded for five, seven, 10 years, and you're looking at your situation now realizing that you need a longer runway to continue funding premiums. Well, what's the solution? The solution is, well, talk to an IBC practitioner first, um, to uh, get your situation assessed. Um, but then from there, uh, you're going to want to have a 
con- conversation about uh, human life value, right? Because you want to make sure that you know time is ticking, and your health today is not going to be the same five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. So you want to make sure that you're locking in your insurability mm-hmm. to be able to create your future policies if you're stuck with that short runway right now. Yeah. And, you know, I should say, or we should say, um, have we written short runway policies? Yep. And, you know, n- there's never a hundred percent you know, design criteria for everybody. You know, there, there is some uniqueness to everybody's situation. For example, you know, if you're in your seventies, sixties or seventies, like it may not make sense to have a a really long runway, um, for paying premium because you're, you, it depends on where your income is coming from. You may be on a fixed income type of scenario where you're, maybe you want to move and ask, move assets from a qualified type of uh, money into, tax-free forever money in the form of a death benefit. And so there may be a limited runway to your ability to pay a premium. So in some of those cases, it could make sense. So I'm, I, I definitely want to make sure, you know, as I get fired up about, you know, the, the length of time to pay a premium, there could be times where that could make sense. But man, I tell you what, when I see these, you know, policies sold to a 20, 30 or 40 year old who has so much, they're like, you know, a 40 year old getting ready to go into their maximum earning stage in their life in their fifties and they're buying five pays, right? Like craziness. Well, we've covered the PUA basics and the PUA design principles. How about we turn it over to PUA priorities? And this is a question that I get every once in a while. Do I have to keep funding the PUA? Now, when I get this question, Yes. Um, well, let me take that back. You don't have to keep funding the PUA. Remember, the PUA is optional, but does it benefit you to keep funding the, the PUA writer? Absolutely. One of the things that we've said over and over on this podcast is that you'll never be in a worse position by having access to cash. So while this writer is optional, if you have the the income coming in, you got the cash flow, you, you should absolutely absolutely take advantage of the PUA writer. So you don't have to keep funding it, but but you should. Now let's set out the the priorities because um, the priorities will guide you as far as you know if you're if you're stuck in a situation where it's it's well the PUA writer or something else, let, let's just first say number one, as much as possible, you should, with your cash flow, max out the POA writer every single year because, again, you'll never be in a worse position by having access to cash. Uh, but number two, um, if you aren't able to maximize the, the POA writer as, as much as you can, then you at least want to satisfy the minimum amount to keep your writer in force for the next period, whether it's the next year or sometimes on these whole life policies, it's a rolling five-year period. Right. So it's extremely important that you know what the minimum is to keep your PUA writer in force for the next year or the next rolling five-year period because you don't want to lose this benefit. And then the, the third priority is when it comes to should I contribute cash flow towards uh, the PUA writer or should I 
make a, a loan repayment. And my rule of thumb on this is that the policy loans are open-ended. We are our own banker. We get to choose how much we want to repay the loan and the frequency. Whereas the PUA, as I just mentioned, you have a minimum amount to satisfy each year or rolling five-year period, depending on the policy. So there's really more of a clock that you have to be aware of. And if, if you're having to decide between one or the other, I personally lean on funding the PUA because I want to make sure I'm building that cash value. And it's once it's there, it's compounding forever. And I can then have the, the freedom and flexibility to make that loan repayment and continue to pay off that loan over a much longer duration if need be. Yeah. And um, I like that as well. And I think, you know, it, you really just have to, that's the great thing about IBC is like, you can make the decision that's the best for you at the time that you have to make that decision. Right. And let me talk about the option to pay PUA here for a second. So when we design a policy, we've talked a lot about designing a policy to pay a premium for as long as you can, for as long as possible. However, that that needs to be understood in light of the fact that you can always opt to stop paying a premium. You can always do what's called a reduced paid up, or you can do a partial reduced paid up. You know, there's lots of options to stop paying a premium. But once you've designed a policy that you can't pay any more premium, there aren't as many options available for you to keep paying premium if your policy is designed the other way. So the one thing I wanted to touch on with the optional um, PUA ability for the PUA payment premium payment to be optional. Something to understand is that one of the trade-offs of, of using the PUA to get cash value, when you design the policy, let's say you design a policy for a thousand dollars a month and um, you crank up the you crank up the 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 way that that breaks out to let's say a hundred dollars of, of base premium and nine hundred dollars of PUA. Well, if anything happens, so this is another thing to think about. If anything happens where you know you you come across a rough period of time and you need to you know scale down your premium payment and you reduce the amount of that PUA or or even eliminate it altogether your policy will not perform anywhere close to what was illustrated, especially if those PUA payments stop in the early years of your policy. Because all of almost all of the cash value, and let's just call it the first five or so years, seven years, somewhere in that neighborhood, almost all of it is coming from PUA at that point. And now, seven years later, if you haven't created that cash value by paying the PUA portion of your scheduled premium, um, you're now kind of starting from a place that's way behind um, where you were where you were originally thinking. And so, it's super important to understand the PUA really has the most effect in the early years. And what you'll find is that as you get older, the base premium actually kind of takes over and starts having a much higher effect than the PUA. That's not to say we still don't want to pay PUA premiums, though, because that PUA premium is still doing a lot to increase. It's just that it's not relative to the base premium. It's not perf- it's not doing as much, um, you know, as the policy matures and you get older. So 
That is one of the things that I wanted to touch on in, in a, from a priority perspective is that if you, regardless of how you do it, if you want to go with one of those people that cranks up your cash value in year one, you better just make sure you're paying that PUA premium. If you want to work with somebody like us that has a more balanced approach and understands the value of the base premium, you, no matter what happens, your policy will perform closer to how it's illustrated. Um, if you have to stop paying and it'll, it'll blow, uh, you know, high cranked up cash value po- policy out of the water with the additional room to expand your system in the future, blow it out of the water. It's insane how much bigger the policy will be. So that's kind of the, the way we're approaching all of this. And it's important to understand that, you know, there are big trade-offs to what we do with that PUA rider. And so Nelson said, don't be afraid, don't be afraid to pay a premium that includes PUA. And guess what? That includes base premium too. And, uh, so base premium is, is pretty good. Um, so anyway, I don't, I don't know if that, uh, what do you think of that, John, anything to add to that? I, I love that you added that last point, uh, because we're talking about the PUA, uh, the priority of, of the PUA and what's the biggest priority of all paying that base Pay premium. Yes. Yeah. People, people come into this space with IBC and, and they get all excited about it and yeah. wanting to take advantage of the paid up editions writer and they forget to value the base premium. Yep. That is absolutely true. And you know what? They also forget to value that death benefit. You know what I mean? Um, the, I'll add one more thing about the death benefit. You, when you crank up the PUA, another thing that's happening is you're cranking up your total underwriting amount. And so you could come into a situation where you've used up all of your insurability just to have that PUA portion of your policy. And so even if you do qualify in the future, if your system hasn't expanded significantly, um, you still may not qualify for life insurance because you've used up most or all of your insurability. And so that just dawned on me as another point as we are kind of wrapping up here that I think is important to understand. So I think what you're saying is reach out and talk to a IBC practitioner. Is that right? I think so. I think that would be a, a wise thing for uh, for most people to do if they're interested in infinite banking. You know, connect with the organization that created infinite banking. <laughs> yeah, and stands behind it. And we'll, uh, we'll verify who is actually a legitimate, a legitimate practitioner too. All you have to do is go to infinitebanking.org and you can suss out if the person that you're talking to is actually a part of the organization and in good standing. That's right. Eat at McDonald's, not McDougal's. <laughs> uh, that's a coming to America reference for the millennials and for the youngsters out there. Yeah. Yeah. For the youngsters out there required watching for uh, anybody out there. Awesome. Well, this has been a great episode. We kept it a little short this time. We've been, we've been rambling lately, so it was nice to do a shorter episode. This is good. Um, so if any of this is resonating with you and you'd like to find out how this could pertain to you and your specific situation, you can always go to our website, the fifth edition.com. And right there, you can schedule a free 30 minute appointment with us. Um, if you're one of those people that likes to do all your learning and do all your research online before you talk to somebody, well, guess what? We created an online course just for you and you can get a 50% discount to that course by going to the fifth edition.com. It's right there at the top. Awesome, John. Good, uh, good topic today.
I agree. All right. Thanks, John. Thanks, everyone. Take care.